that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Hello, I'm David Freeman with, is that really in the Bible? Question, what's worse than dying? What could be worse than dying? Now, you know, dying's pretty bad because I don't know if you've ever heard of the process of cryonics, but it's actually, it's an image of it behind me here. It's actually where they deep freeze your, in some cases, your entire body after death in hopes that scientists will one day figure out how to revive that body, that frozen body, bring it back to life, and that you can live again. <clears throat> so instead of being buried in a grave, this is actually something that you can purchase. You can have your body deep frozen or whatever in hopes that someday scientists can figure out how to bring it back to life or find a cure for the disease like cancer or whatever and cure that and bring it back to life. In some cases, because the, the process is so expensive, they only freeze the head. You know, they cut off <laughs> in hopes that they can attach that head, you know, thaw it out, attach it to a robotic body, sort of like RoboCop or something like that, I guess, and, you know, bring it back to life. So when it comes to dying, I mean, there is, could there be anything worse than dying? Now, this is not necessarily true in all cultures, though. It seems to be that in America, we will hold on to life. We will go through pure hell. We will, we will go through every type of, you know, chemo treatments that destroys our bodies just so that we can live a few days longer. But my brother was telling me about a story. There was a colonel over in Afghanistan, and they were fighting over there, and they have some of the Afghan soldiers who are on their side, okay, on the American side. And they were getting ready to take over a, uh, a little small town, and they, the Americans said, well, let's wait until we get some air support before we go in there and take over this town raid this, you know, little small city or whatever. And for whatever reason, the air support didn't come in, I guess, quick enough. There was a delay in getting the air support to come in. And the Afghan soldiers just said, forget it, we're going in. And they took off running and took over the town. They were, you know, machine guns flying, bullets flying. They were getting hit. They were getting killed. They were falling down dead. And that's the attitude. I mean, it's like, hey, today is a good day to die. Why not today? So, you know, it's, it's this desperately holding on to life. You don't find that in every, you know, I guess, uh, at least not with these men, you don't, <laughs> these Afghan soldiers. But, you know, again, the question is, what is worse than dying? Well, let me tell you what's worse than dying. Are you ready? Okay. What's worse than dying is getting old. Yeah, you heard me, getting old. And this really came home to me. I took my mother down to visit her sister who was in an old folks home. And boy, you talking about an experience, it changed my life. Now we got there about lunchtime 
And they had all, you know, wheelchairs, all of them come in in wheelchairs. And one person was, I thought they were talking to me, and it was like, he was looking at me, but speaking, but I realized, no, she's looking beyond me and mumbling and talking and just talking away, but she was like talking to an imaginary figure in her mind. Uh, another woman was look, running around looking for her baby doll. They said, they took my baby away. And another one said, well, I'll help you find it. And they go off looking for the baby. I mean, it was like most of them had lost their minds. And it was that like they were living in an imaginary world. And I, it was the most heart-rending thing I had ever seen. And, and when I got out of there, I told my wife, I said, I have a whole new lease on life now. I said, I will never look at life again since I've been to this old folks' home. I said, I am going to take chances. I am going to take risks. I am going to ride my motorcycle in the rain 120 miles an hour. And if I wrap it around a tree and die at age 50, I will be better off. I will be more blessed than ending up getting old in one of those old folks' homes, okay? Now, maybe that's a peculiar way of looking at it, but there are worse things than dying. Let me tell you, there's worse things than dying, and that is getting old. Now, maybe you're thinking, you know, because we like to think positive, and that's a good thing, and we like to think, well, maybe I'll end up like Moses. Well, let's, how did Moses end up? Well, let's take a look at that in Deuteronomy 34 and verse 7. It says this about Moses. It says, Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyesight never became poor, and he never lost his physical strength. Hey, so maybe you'll end up just like Moses, right? 120 years old, good eyesight. I mean, I'm already losing my eyesight. I have to wear glasses to read anything. So maybe we'll end up like Moses, 120 years old and still strong and... Yeah, right. Okay, if you believe that, I got some swamp land in the Mojave Desert that I want to sell you real cheap. Now, maybe there are a few people that end up dying in their sleep, but, you know, for the most part, what I'm trying to say is this. You are going to get old, you're going to get ugly, and your body is going to wear out, and along the way, there's probably going to be a lot of aches and pains, okay? That's what I'm saying. Old, ugly, and your body's going to wear out. It happens to us all, okay? In the movie Zorro, Anthony Hopkins plays the old retired Zorro, and he's training an apprentice, a, a, a young man. And the young Zorro, his brother gets killed in the movie, and he, there's a point in the movie where the young Zorro says, I miss my brother. And Anthony Hopkins, the old Zorro, says, Your brother is dead. We lose the ones we love. It's such a powerful, I don't know what's so powerful about that, but it's just, you know, something about that statement, you know. In other words, he, he's sort of saying, okay, get over it. Your brother is dead. Well, let me tell you what's worse than losing the ones we love. Yeah, you guessed it. It's getting old. Yeah. And sometimes there's a double whammy that comes our way, that life sort of sends our way. And it is, you know, not only losing the one you love, losing the one you love, but having to grow old alone. I mean, that's like a double whammy that life gives us. Not only, you know, losing the one you love, but having to grow old alone. And I was at a family reunion just recently, 
And there was a man there, old man there, and uh, I knew he had lost his wife about five years ago. And uh, someone asked him, uh, how, how are you doing, you know, George, or whatever his name was. And he said, oh, I'm getting old. And the person said, and I've heard this I don't know how many times. The person said, well, that's better than the alternative. You ever heard that one, you know? How are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm not feeling too good. You know, I'm getting old. Well, that's better than the alternative. Well, how would you know? Have you died yet? I mean, it might not be that bad. They say it's sort of like, you know, asleep, a good night's sleep. You're oblivious to the passage of time. So it may not be that bad. But how would you know it's better than the alternative? And the guy said, uh, he said, well, he said, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. And the person said, oh, no, no. It's almost like the person was in, oh, no, it's better than the alternative, you know. You can't die, you know. And, and, and he said, I don't know about that. And I knew exactly what he was saying. You know, look, I, I love my wife. And sometimes, we've been married 27 years, and, and uh, it's just a wonderful relationship that we have. And sometimes I pray that I will go before she goes. And then I think, well, that's not fair to her. And then I think, well, okay, maybe I should say, uh, you know, that she'll, you know, she'll go first. <laughs> you know, and then I think, well, that's, no, that's not fair to me. You know what? Let me tell you something. I hate getting old. Have you ever heard the expression, only the good die young? I, I don't know. I sort of think there's a lot of truth to that, and, and it's almost as if the Bible backs that up. Let's turn to Isaiah 57 and verse 1. It says, the righteous perish, and no man lays it to heart. Yeah, only the good die young. And notice what it says. It says, the righteous perish, and no one even thinks about what is going on. And merciful men are taken away, and no one considers that the righteous, that is, good people, that they are taken away from the evil to come. Fascinating statement. It's almost as if the Bible is saying, you know, there's worse things than dying. That only the good die young, that good people are taken away from the evil that is to come. Now, what is the evil that is to come? Well, it could be a many things. It could be a society, an ungodly society that has rejected and thrown God out of every avenue of its, its uh, culture and society. And I'm talking about us, by the way, America. We're not, we're not yet reaping the consequences of that, but it's coming, of throwing God out. But the consequences, they're coming. Believe me, they're coming, of, of the consequence of throwing God out. Okay, uh, what is the evil that is to come? Well, it could be something that's going on in your body right now that you don't know about, that's going to take you out of this world, a hideous disease or something, that good people are taken away from the evil that is to come. Dying is not the worst thing that can happen to you. Uh, you think dying is bad, try getting old, okay? And I don't know what it is. It's like this obsession that we have. You know, I, I, was, I got a, um, a smartphone recently, and it's, I, I downloaded this app called Weatherbug, and a warning came up, and it said, Tornado Watch in Pinhook. Now, Pinhook is where I live, and I thought, well, that's strange. I've never heard of that, not in Pinhook, a tornado watch. And I thought, you know, I could get killed in a tornado. I could, my whole house could blow away with me inside of it, and I could get killed. Well, there's worse things than dying in a tornado. It's called getting old. And then not long ago, I had, you know, about 
I've always loved to ride motorcycles, and, and I found myself about age 47 becoming a little bit fearful. I mean, I've had motorcycles since I was 11 years old. But, you know, I started finding myself becoming a little bit fearful of what if and what happens and if someone pulls out in front of you. And I, it, I didn't like the fact that I was getting scared, a little bit scared or fearful or even those thoughts were even entering my mind, what if, you know. And then I realized after going to this old folks home, hey, there's worse things that could happen to you than a, getting killed on a motorcycle. Yeah, it's called getting old. Yeah. And, and we worry about things. You know, there are people that get worried about getting killed in my, you know, I could get killed in my sleep. A madman could, could break in and kill me in, while I'm sleeping. Well, let me tell you something. There's worse things that could happen to you than getting killed in your sleep. It's called getting old. You know, and it's like we live in fear. We sit around, we're sitting around living in fear, waiting for the worst thing that could possibly happen to us. What is that? It's getting old, okay? <laughs> it's ending up in one of those old folks' home, and we're fearful of all these other things that could happen to us. And you know, the things that we fear, 99% of the things we fear never happen to us. They never happen to us. Now, I want to tell you how to live your life. <clears throat> the Bible tells us how to live, live our lives right now in the here and now. Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 9. It says this, it says, live joyfully with the wife whom you love all the days of the life of your vanity, which he has given thee under the sun. All the days of your vanity, for that is your portion in this life, and in your, your labor which you take under the sun. Live joyfully with the wife whom you love. Yeah, that's right. Love your wife, make love to one another, enjoy one another. This is, what the, this is how the Bible says to live our lives right now. You know, it's a really, it is a simplistic way of life, of, of just enjoying the simple things in life, okay? Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 10 says, Whatsoever your hand finds to do, now this is another thing you're supposed to do, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. Notice this, do it with gusto. Whatever you set your hands to do, do it with your might. Love it. Enjoy it. Savor the moments. Enjoy the works of your hands. The things that you can create, the things that you can build, the things that your job, whatever it may be, your hobbies, your goals, your, the things that you're trying, that thing you're working on around the house, you know, that little garden that you have, that project that you're working on. Do it with your might. Enjoy it. Why? Well, it tells us, okay, for there is no work, nor wisdom, nor knowledge, nor, excuse me, there is no device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave where you go. Now, that doesn't mean that when you die, it's over with. There is a resurrection from the dead. Christ returns, and the first thing that happens is the resurrection of the first fruits, okay? But what it's saying is, temporarily, while you're in the grave, you are oblivious to the passage of time and there's nothing going on there, okay? There's no work. There's no knowledge. There's no will. You're not doing anything in the grave, okay? That's what your Bible says, all right? Okay. So while you're alive, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. Okay, next verse, verse 11. I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding nor yet favor to men of skill, 
but time and chance happens to them all. What's the Bible saying? This is what the Bible is saying. It's saying life is not always fair. You know, you would think strong men are the ones that ought to achieve and have all. No, it's, it's saying just the opposite, that, that it's not always men of skill that are blessed, that life is not always fair, that time and chance happens to us all. Now, what does that mean, time and chance? Well, let me explain what that means. That means this. If you're at a busy intersection, four-way intersection, and a drunk comes through 120 miles an hour in a vehicle, one, uh, two seconds earlier, it's going to be the car <clears throat> in front of you. Two seconds later, it's going to be the car behind you. But if the timing is right, it's going to be you. Okay, boom, crash, bam, whatever. Time and chance happens to us all. Okay? You know, again, you could get killed in your sleep. Yes, you could. But there's worse things than getting killed in your sleep. It's called getting old. Now, let me give you some pointers to go on. Because life can be tough. And it's only those of us who are tough on ourselves that we quit living a passive lifestyle. You know, where we have to get tough on ourselves. Now, I'm going to give you some things here, three points about getting tough on yourself. Number one, you got to understand this about life. God never intended you to have enough time to do everything you want to do. No, not in this life. Okay? God never intended you to have enough time to do everything you want to do. You will have eternity to do everything you want to do. Okay? All right. We've got to understand this. You're going to have eternity to do everything you want to do. Okay? Now, why did God not never uh, intend it for you to have enough time to do everything you want to do? The reason is because he wants you to choose what's really important. See, chances are you're doing a lot of things that's just not that important. You think it's important, but it's not. Okay? And then the reason this little short span of life of three score and ten or four score years, 70 or 80 years, the reason we've been given this is because this little short little span that will be over with before you know it is because God wants us to choose what's really important. And most of us go through life thinking the irrelevant is important. Okay? <clears throat> All right. Second thing that we need to understand is that getting old is the greatest evangelistic tool out there. It really is. I mean, getting old is the greatest evangelistic tool out there. Because it's only when, only when we get old do we really start thinking about what's important. Like, you know, what happens when I die? And uh, is, this, is there more to life than this? Yeah. And where... You know, what will eternity be like? And I really would like to accomplish a lot of things that I never really got to accomplish in this life. All right. Third point is that religion is not a cure-all for every problem that you have. All right. Religion is not a cure-all for every problem that you have. There's a fatalistic approach out there that says things like, well, just give it to Jesus. You know, just give your problem to Jesus. And a lot of times, Jesus would give it right back to us unopened, okay, our problem. You know, the problem, the, the, the issue is that it's not Jesus' problem. It's your problem, you know. And whatever you're going through, whether it's financial difficulties, yeah, Jesus will help you 
uh, get through that and overcome that, but it's not his problem. You know, a lot of our problems is just created by our own stupidity. You know, I mentioned that I have a wonderful relationship with my wife. We've been married 27 years. All I would have to do to totally screw that up is just go out and maybe commit adultery. One stupid decision could ruin my entire marriage. And so people do stupid things like that, and then they, they well, just give it to Jesus. Well, that's not Jesus' problem. It's your stupidity that, that is the problem. And so we just, we have to deal with these. Now, there is forgiveness with God, but even after the forgiveness, being reconciled and working through your problem often is very hard. We have to be hard on ourselves to overcome our problems. Understand this, that God, God is under no obligation to answer your every question, okay? God is under no obligation to answer your every question. In fact, what I get from the Bible is that, again, true Christianity is a way of life where you have to be hard on yourself. Let's take a look at a few scriptures here. In Luke 14 and verse 33, it says, Jesus says, so likewise, Whosoever he be of you that forsake not all that he has cannot be my disciple. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds sort of tough to me, forsaking all that you have. And I don't think it means you've got to sell everything you've got and give it to the poor and just sit there in a room somewhere and just say, Lord, what next? No, God gives us a mind to think about, and he, he reasons with us. But there is a forsaking of the things that often that we love and hold dear to us. And often the things that we love and hold dear to us are the things that are, that are actually destroying our lives. It's called sin, okay? You know, the, the smoker holds very dear the joy of, you know, lighting up and smoking. But it's killing him. So we have to forsake all that we, that, that you know, forsake everything. Okay, let's continue on. Luke 14 and verse 26. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sister, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciples. Now that's pretty powerful. You know, it doesn't mean that we're supposed to make enemies with our families. I've seen that happen a lot. A person gets religion and he, a wedge goes up between him and his family. But it does mean that you have to put God first in front of your family, a husband, a wife, whatever it takes, that this is a commitment to God that goes beyond other things, okay? All right, let's continue on. And whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now, there is a cross to bear. If you're going to be a Christian, there is a cross to bear. Okay, what's the cross? Well, I've got three of them right here, three, three crosses. Number one, getting old. That's one cross. Okay, you've got to bear that. All right. Two, religion is not a cure-all for every problem that you have. You've got to realize that. And three, God is under no ob obligation to answer your every question that you have. You may not get the answer until Christ returns and sets up his kingdom on this earth. So that's three crosses that we have to bear in this life. You know, there are some questions you just can't answer. I have a friend who early in his life had a chainsaw accident and he is now, he has one leg amputated. And he gets along just fine, but and he, and he doesn't complain, he sets a great example, but I don't know why that happened. It was just an accident, I guess. 
My mother had a three-month-old baby die. Uh, I don't know why that happened. I do not know, and I don't know if she knows. Why do teenage children, you know, get killed in an automobile accident? I'm not for sure I can answer that question. Why are people born mentally retarded? I don't know. I really don't know. So there are some things that, you know, when I say that God is, is n under no obligation to answer your every question, there are some things that we're just going to have to wait for the answer to come. And it will come one day, but it may be in the kingdom of God when God gives us the answer to these questions. Now, what's, I want to ask you a question. What's the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian? You know, in a way, in many ways, the, the, field, the field is leveled off. We're sort of all in the same boat in that we're all going to get old, we're all going to get ugly, and our, our bodies are going to wear out. In that sense, the playing field is sort of level. Christian, non-Christian, it doesn't matter. We all sort of fit into the same boat. Okay, what is the difference between Christians and non-Christians? Okay, let's take a look at what is the difference. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 16. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Now what we all have in common, Christians and non-Christians, is like I said, we all get old, we all get ugly, ugly and our bodies wear out. That is, the outward man perishes day by day. The difference, though, between a Christian is the inward man is renewed day by day. Okay, the inward man, that new creature in Christ that started to develop the day that you were baptized, the day that you had hands laid on you for the receiving of the Holy Spirit of God, the day that you repented of your sin and accepted Christ as your personal Savior and went through the waters of baptism, that's the day, that new creature in Christ, that, that, that spirit being inside of you, uh, that new creature in Christ is being renewed day by day. And it will be born, some people refer to it as born again, that will occur at the resurrection. When this, when this flesh, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, this flesh dies and that spirit being called that new creature in Christ, is born, born again. Okay, so that's the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. Now, I want to tell you a little bit in conclusion here about the world that is to come, the world that is to come. Revelation 21 and verse 3 says, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will, he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. Now, when this time comes, there will be no more spot, no more blemish. There will be absolute perfection, okay? Next verse. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. You ever notice that pain is closely associated with often getting old? Okay, for the former things are passed away. Man, notice what it says. No more pain. No more death. Man, this is sweet. How sweet it is. Let me interpret that for you. No more death. It means no more getting old. And that's 
what's really in your Bible. If you would like a free DVD recording of this program that you can share with friends and loved ones, write to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. And be sure to mention the title of this program.